You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. If that don't fire you up, nothing will. Man, to see what God has done in his faithfulness is awesome. But I want you guys to really, I know we're here in Millen, and uh, sometimes we think that it's all about us. We, sometimes we think it's about our campus, but guys, I want you to understand we are tied to something bigger than who we are. And God is using us as Connection Church to change lives. And man, it's just exciting to me to see Buck planting that campus uh, in Dublin, just because it just shows who we are as Connection Church. Buck came to the Vidalia campus. He started coming. He got saved at the Vidalia campus. He felt the call of God at the Vidalia campus. He started serving. He started being a connect group leader. And now he recognized the call of God in his life to be a pastor. And he's taking those next steps and going to a people in Dublin that's on his heart to go share the gospel with. That's what we're about, people. That's what it's about. It's about not sitting on this pew every single, single Sunday. It's about getting involved and doing what God's called us to do. And it just, it, it just gets me excited to see what's going to happen in Dublin. Because I know the impact that Connection Millen has had in Millen. I know what it's done in people's lives. I can see people that have been brought from death to life. I see people that God is changing and God's doing mighty things in this community. And I, I just, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in Dublin. And as we continue to go, I want you to understand that, that it's not about this, our campus. It's about us being faithful to God. Us being faithful to God, being generous, giving our time, our talents, our money, whatever we have, giving it to him so he can use it however he wants to use it, giving him our life. Buck is a high school principal, abandoning everything and going to be the man God wants him to be. That takes faith, that takes courage. And that's the type of people that we want to be with Connection. And that's what I want you to be. And the vision with Connection Church is that we are birthing churches out of our church. We're, we're growing up people in maturity in their faith with Christ. We're trying to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ so that within us, hopefully, in a few years, we can plant another campus out of our campus. But that's not going to happen unless we rise to the occasion and we say, God, here I am, send me. Let me go. Let me do these things. Because God's got a purpose for your life. God's got something special just for you, but you've got to surrender to that and say, God, let me do it. God, let me go. And you've got to be that person God's called you to be. And I can keep preaching on that video, but man, I'm going, I got some text to preach this morning. So before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we just celebrate right now and we thank you so much for uh, just for this opportunity to be able to, to, to plant another church. God, we thank you so much for sending Buck uh, to us, Lord, and all of us being united. I thank you, Father, for just uh, how great of a vision that is, that it's not about us, that we are in this together and we're part of this together and we're sending out people from within, Lord, to go to these communities that need your word, God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just use us, Lord. I pray, God, for Buck and that whole team that's going and planning. God, I pray that, Lord, that you would just be with them this morning. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that, that you would just bind the hands of Satan. That, God, that there wouldn't be anything to hinder them, Lord. That, Father, I just pray that they would have unity in that community. And, God, that mighty things would happen in your name. Father, we just lift them up to you, God. I pray, Lord, that just as we've heard the rain falling on the, the ground behind us, Lord, as we hear that hitting the ground, God, I pray, Father, that, that your word would hit the hearts of people just that hard. That, God, you would awaken all of us in this room to the reality of who you are. That, God, we don't leave this place the same. Because, God, when we walk in the rain, Lord, we get wet. And, God, we pray that when we get in the presence, in your presence this morning, Lord, that we are wet with your presence, God. We don't leave here the same as we came. We leave here changed. We leave here with a different mindset. We leave here with a different heart. God, change us today. Lord, please change us. God, reveal to us, Lord, things in our own life that we need to get out and get right because you're so worthy. It's like that song we just sang, God, that you are the way. Jesus, you are the way. You're the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through you. And Jesus, I pray today in your holy name that your name would be made great through this service, and God, you would wake us up today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you will, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. Um, we're going to be going through... Uh, this is the last, last message of our Promises series. Um, and the, 
the promise that we're going of today is that God promised a new covenant. And in that new covenant, he promised that, hey, we were once dead, but he made a way. God made a way. God made a way for us to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. I'm going to kind of, uh, sometimes when I get, a, get into some, some text, this is a very in-depth passage of Scripture, this chapter. I could probably preach a month on this one, on this one chapter. So this may, this may be a little uh, teachy this morning. Y'all bear with me if it gets that way. Um, I struggle with stuff like that because I like to just go with what God lays in my heart, but I'm trying to stay true to what he's been showing me this week. So as we read through, I'm going to read some, and, and then we'll break it down a little bit as we go through. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human, not by a mere human being. Every priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest. For there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at the sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses, Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. And I'm going to pause right there for just a second. See, what this is referring to is the old covenant. This is referring to is the, is the old covenant that Jesus came and made new. This is referring to that old thing. And a lot of times we think that, you know, what, what was old, we don't need to pay attention to. What was old, it doesn't matter anymore. But what was old is the old covenant is just as important as the new covenant. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but, but to amplify it, to change our hearts and how we perceive that got a few slides here we want to go through right quick but what what he had when Moses came down the the first thing is is he had the, the law of Moses when Moses came down the mountain God gave him the Ten Commandments the, the Levitical law and the purpose was for it the intent was for it to make us holy but the problem was there was no way for it to change our sinful nature we would the law was there so it was like a check system okay I didn't do this today good check I didn't do that today good check but it's supposed to point out, because we, can't, because we can't keep it, because we fail at it, it should point out our need to a Savior. Go to the next one. The next thing with the old uh, covenant. We're coming. Well, it, it's the covenant law. Ceremonial law. I'm going, y'all just hold on with me. The intent of this is to cleanse the people of their sins and to make them clean before God. So when you broke the law, the ceremonial law was this, that you have to take an animal and a sacrifice and sacrifice it for your sin. You have to sacrifice those things for your sin because the sin of, the penalty of sin is what? Death. So that's what had to happen. So an animal had to be killed to, wash, to be able to wash and cleanse, out, cleanse us. But what it did, it only cleansed the outside and it didn't change our heart. It didn't change the, why we did these things. Animal sacrifices pointed that we needed a better sacrifice. Ceremonial washings pointed to a better cleansing that was to come. So all these things that God gave us, God gave us all these, he gave us the law, he gave us, all right, so if you, if you break the law, then you have to do these things, the ceremonial things. You have, to, you have to kill this animal, you had to put the blood on the sacrifice, you had to do all these different things to atone for your sin. But all it was was a vicious cycle. You did this, then you had to kill this animal and do that. It was repetitious. The priest never sat down. Never sat down. He was constantly, all the time, the high priest, he was constantly making sacrifices. And, and there had to be something to change that. It had to be something for, once and for all, and that's what Jesus was for. You got to realize the old covenant of Moses, the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, and the high priest, the priesthood, all those things pointed to Jesus. All those things pointed to the need for Jesus. And nothing was going to change in that system until, we, until Jesus came. 
And I'm sure y'all look at me mighty funny, but I promise y'all understand this in just a minute. Y'all track with me. The thing is this, it's founded on better promises. The new covenant is founded on better promises. Verses 6 through 8 says this. It says, but in fact, the ministry of Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old since the new covenant is established on better promises. All right, so when we talk about better promises, what are we talking about? The old covenant was good. God gave us the, old, the, old, the law for a reason, but it's for us to realize the things we should and shouldn't do, the things that please God. But the problem with that is we, there was no ability to keep the law. There was no ability to keep the law. Think back before, if you're a child of God and you're here, think back before you really knew who Jesus was. It was about, it was about modifying your behavior. It was about, well, if I don't do this and I do, the, and I do this, God will be pleased with me. But you kept finding yourself constantly going to those things. And, there, and you were, it was a constant struggle, and there was no deliverance from any of that. But when God puts a new heart in you, you change. Everything about you changes, and it gives you that, that ability to be able to not do those things, not go against God. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Amen. I knew it was dreary. I knew it was raining. Y'all got to give me some amens. Wake somebody up next to you, okay? Come on, wake up this morning. The promise of the law is kind of like, look, all right, you do this, and I'll bless you. You don't do this, and I destroy you. The purpose of the law then, it was a, it was a checklist. And so many of us have grown up in, in, in church where we have made following Jesus about a checklist, about things that we do. We, as long as we check this box, we're okay. Our nature is to go to that. Our nature is to go to that and say, all right, I'm going to check these things off. And as long as I'm good with this stuff, then, then that means I'm good with God. And that doesn't mean that. We've turned into a bunch of religious fanatics instead of followers of Christ. Well, he came and died for us. And we should at least follow him. And when Christ came, see the promise of Jesus, when he came, he came to fulfill the law, but he came to give you a new heart. When, when Jesus Christ died to save us of our sins, when he died on that cross, he said, I'm going to send you a helper. He's going to send you someone. And he, when he fills us with the Holy Spirit, when, you're, when you have a new heart, you have the heart of Almighty God inside of you. And when you have that heart, then you have the ability to be able to, do the, to not do those things, to be able to keep the law. I think back to, to when, uh, you know, when I first got saved. And, and one of the things was, was I could never understand. I had an old guy that worked with me, and he said, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And I was like, man, I hadn't. What are you talking about? I mean, I just looked at that woman. He was like, oh, no, hold on. You, you committed adultery in your heart, son. And I was like, man, just shut up. You don't know my heart. Just be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. And, and, but, but then you got to thinking about that. What's in your heart comes out in your actions. What's in your heart comes out in your actions. And if your action, if, when I read God's word and when Jesus says, if you've committed adultery, if you, if you looked at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart, he takes it to the heart because that's where adultery begins. Adultery begins in a lustful look. Adultery begins in a lustful act. And it starts with lust and then it goes and it transforms into adultery, into an act. That's where the heart of the issue is. Jesus takes it a step further when he says, hey, if you hate your brother, if you have hatred toward your brother, since you've already committed murder in your heart. So it just shows me that when we change our heart, our actions are going to change. Our motives are going to change. We're not going to want to do these things because we have a new heart. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Y'all's face ain't showing it. Verse 7 and 8, 7 through 9 says this, says, for there have been, no, if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will not make a covenant like I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them. So the, the, the promise in this is that promise of God's grace I mean, God saw that, that we, that God's people was not obeying him. God saw that, 
that if, they, if it continued on, there needed to be something different. This didn't take God by surprise. He knows our hearts. He knows our actions. He knows how we are. And he knew we were going to need a better, better covenant. He knew we were going to need a better sacrifice. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus. You got to think, though, if righteousness could be, have been obtained by the law, then Jesus died for nothing. If keeping a bunch of rules would have got us to heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. And a lot of times, you got to think how ingenious God is. I, I, just, I, I just love thinking about this, is that he gave the law so that we could realize that we couldn't do it on our own and that we needed a Savior. The purpose of the law, the purpose of those rules for us to realize we can't keep them on our own and that we need something or somebody to save us. I got to thinking about that this week and, you know, being in youth ministry, you get, uh, you're around a lot of kids and, and there's a lot of kids that, that have issues and there's a lot of stubborn kids that won't listen to their parents, which scares me to death because I'm fixing to have a kid. But anyway, as we're going through that, all, a lot of times parents will call me and say, look, you need to talk to so-and-so because I, I've done all I can do and they won't listen to me. And they're going down a bad road. And there's one kid in particular that, that, uh, that God kind of revealed in my heart, that's been in my heart uh, since this time. Is, uh, we rode around, I bet, I bet 10,000 miles in Jenkins County just riding. I'd pick him up. His mom and daddy would say, hey, you need to talk some sense in this kid before I you know, get rid of him. And I'd go pick him up and we'd ride. And while we would ride, I, he, would, he was telling me how, why he feels like he feels and all these things. And I was like, look, man, you know, if you continue down this road, it's going to lead straight to destruction. And you, you, you can't continue this. The decisions you're making are bad. And because he had walked a very similar life that I had walked, I said, this is what's going to happen if you continue down this road. This, this, and this is going to happen. These, th these things are going to happen. If you continue down this road, these things are going to happen. He said, you're old, you're crazy, and you don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well, I've told my daddy to do the same things. And he, he gets out of my truck and he leaves. And I didn't hear from him for a month or two down the road. And finally, one day he called me. He said, Jeremy, I need to talk to you. So I sat down. He said, Jeremy, this, this, and this happened. In the order you said they was happening and how you said they were going to happen. How did you know that? I said, because I had walked that similar life, man. I know. I'm, I'm telling you. I knew that you weren't going to be able to, to do that the, the way you were walking. I knew that was going to happen. And then he was open to listen to what I had to say. He was open to listen to how I, was, how I was going to direct him of how to address the situation. And isn't that how we do God? We don't want to listen to God until we realize we've done everything that we want to do, and now nothing else has worked, so it's like, all right, God, I want to try this now. Is that just how it works for me, or does it work for that for you guys? Man, I'm going to preach online next week. Y'all killing me. But the thing is, is just like that, is the law was there to give, us, to give us an example. To give us an example showing, hey, I can't obey this. And when you realize, we can't, when you realize you can't obey it or you can't, you can't make it in a certain direction, you're looking for something to save you of it. And that's what the law is. So many of us, I, I don't know how many stories I've heard of people saying that I'm done with organized religion. I, I, there's a man that I went to his house to invite him to church one Sunday, and that's, he slammed the door in my face and said, I'm done with organized religion. And that baffled me. Why? What, what, what has the church done to you? What's happened? Well, did you, just, you don't even want nothing to do with any church. Why? What's going on? And as I went through there and looked, I, I realized that, that he had been in church his whole life, that he had walked through different things, and it was about a checklist to him. And as he was going through that checklist, realizing he couldn't keep it, it was just sucking the life out of him. And it was just making him bitter because he couldn't keep the law. He couldn't keep, he couldn't stay right in God's eyes because he was trying to do it on his own. And the more he tried, the more he failed. And the more he failed, the more he tried to act like nothing was wrong. That sound familiar, anybody? So he was trying to act like nothing was wrong and it just made a bitterness. And finally, he just gave up because apparently Jesus didn't work for him. So he failed. And the problem was, he never tried Jesus. He never tried Jesus. He had did the religious thing. He had played games. It was all about this checklist. 
If I'm a good boy, if I tithe, if I go to church on Sunday, if I do these things, that means I'm a follower of Christ. He had never given Jesus his heart. He was just about doing these things, making sure that I'm not that bad person. And guys, we have grown up in the South and we are, it's, it's more religious than it is about following Jesus in so many aspects. So many people is about themselves and what they want to do than following Christ. That's why people in the church are not, not really considered, they don't really care about holiness. They don't care about pursuing God. It says, I just want fire insurance. When you realize what Jesus has done for you, when you realize what he's done, you want to please him. You want him to, to just purify you. Say, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. Just do what, just do, God, remove this from me. You get a point to a place where you're just so hungry. You want God to do things in your life. You're not satisfied with just coming and sitting on the pew. You're not satisfied with just mere religion and making checking boxes. You want Jesus. And man, when you get to that point, that's when the real release happens. That's when true freedom happens. When it's just, God is all you. I want you to purify me. If you're living in sin and you, and you realize you're living in sin, you love God more than your sin. So you want that out of your life. You will do whatever it takes to please God. And in the church today, we're so caught up in religion and so caught up on ourselves and it's about me and not about Jesus that we have sacrificed purity in the church. And it's all about just doing these things and not about a, a pursuit of Christ that died for us. I mean, he didn't have to come. He didn't have to. We could still be making animal sacrifices today. We could still be separated from God. But when Jesus died on the cross, when he was resurrected, the veil broke, praise God. And now he, we have access to the king. We, that's something to celebrate, amen? That's something to be excited about, amen? We should be shouting happy, praise Jesus that he did that for me. And there shouldn't be anything in our life that should keep us from pursuing him more passionately. But yeah, a lot of us this morning have woken up in this rainful, dreary day in religion. We're still, we're, we can make come to church, but we're still, make, we're still checking off the boxes. And we got to realize that he didn't come for you to check boxes. He come to make you new. He come to give you a new heart. He came to give you a new heart. And that's the thing, the new way, that, the, the way is Jesus. Verse 10, he says, look, this is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. If you go back to, to the Old Testament and Deuteronomy, what happened was the, the religious people, they would write the laws down. Dallas preached about it a couple, a couple weeks ago, but maybe months ago, but he preached about it and and uh, where they would write them down on pieces of paper and they would put them on these, on these scrolls and they would put them on their forehead and they would walk around so they would look how religious. They would write them on their arms. They would write them on their doorposts. So they would see the law everywhere so they wouldn't forget them. And God's saying, look, it's not about that. I'm going to write them on your hearts. When something gets in your heart, you don't forget it, do you? When something gets in your heart, you're not going to forget it. He said, I'm going to write it on your heart. It won't be a problem because you won't, won't, you won't be pursuing saying, God, I don't, I don't want to murder nobody today. No, you'll be like, God, I don't want to hate this person today. God, I want, I want more of you to help me not hate this person. When somebody has been bitter and mean and hateful to you as a child of God with a new heart, you're saying, Lord Jesus, give me the strength to forgive them. Lord Jesus, help me walk in unity with these people. God, help me, Lord, be sold out to you. Don't let any malice be in my heart. You know why? Because you love Jesus. And if you didn't, you'd be just as mean and nasty and hateful as they were. And we got a lot of hateful people in the church. In reality, we got a lot of people in the church that don't have a new heart. They hadn't given God their heart. We got to get a hold of that this morning. Do we have a new heart? Are we resting in the fact of what God has done for us? Because, man, that should excite us. He did these things. He came so that we could pursue him passionately and wholeheartedly. The law of Moses, it was declared the holy standard, but there was no power for, for them to be able to, to obey it. See, the Holy Spirit is the power for us to obey God's word. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. We can't obey God's word without the Holy Spirit being inside of us. And sinful people need a new heart, amen? amen. They need to do a new deposition. They need to be different. They need to be changed. 
And this is what the new covenant provides. It provides a new heart. I can't preach good enough to make you change. I can't. I can't shout loud enough to make you realize that you need to give God your heart. I can't do that. I, there's nobody in this church that can, that, can, that can lead you in a way that's going to make you just Without you surrender your heart, there's no way anybody that's going to make you understand that unless the Holy Spirit moves inside of you. There's nothing that can change. We make our walk with Christ more about people than we do about God. And when we make it about God, we realize, look, it's all about him, what he wants me to do. I've realized that so much this past year because my, my whole walk with Christ, I'm going to be honest with you guys, has been in a large part about People saying, Jeremy, you did a great job preaching. And God began, and I was like, I felt accepted by God because I, people were getting saved and things started happening. It was like, man, I know, I'm, I know I'm a child of the king because look at all this stuff that's happening. Whoo, praise God. But when those things stopped happening, I had to back up and say, all right, God, where, where's my security? Where, where, where's, where's, my, where's my center? What's my core? Is it you or is it everything else? Or is it these people? We've got to make our center, the core of us, should be all about Christ. And if that's not it, that's our heart. Our heart is the core. The eternal change of the Holy Spirit is what enables us to love. It's what enables us to obey God. And the way you see that, the way you see that is that looking back five years, you don't struggle with the things you struggled with five years ago. That's the change in your life. Sometimes you, some things you, that God's going to deliver you from like this. There's going to be other things. It's a walk. And you look back in five years from now, it's like, well, I, didn't, I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with this. I don't struggle with that. And some of you in here are today saying, you know what? I still struggle with the same things that I struggled with 10 years ago. Y'all just hang on. I got some good news later on. Good way to keep you reeled in, ain't it? But the thing is, what I love about the end of verse 10 is that is that the end of verse 10, he says, look, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. People naturally want to belong to something. People naturally want to, want to be, belong and be a part of something. That's why gangs are taken up because the family's broken in America right now. And that's why there's so many gangs in these bigger cities because people are just, they're looking for something. Like that old song said, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. I thought I got a little bit of laugh out of that. Nobody laughed. But that's the thing is, is people want to be a part of something. I want to go to the hunting club. We, we killed 10 deer today. How many did you kill? Oh, none. Well, we didn't kill nothing. They did. You didn't kill anything. You know, a bunch of, a couple of us rode to, uh, rode to Sylvania last week on bikes. And when we got there, one of the guys said, whew, we made it. I was like, we, we about buried you down there at Bay Branch Church. We didn't make it. You know, we, we want to be a part of something. We want to be uh, united. And that's what God's saying. When that new heart is in you, he said, I will be your God and they will be my people. And when we realize that being a part of God's kingdom and being a part of just what he wants you to do, what he wants of you, he doesn't want to, to keep you from, from having fun. He doesn't want to keep you from, from not enjoying life. Jesus said, I have came, come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. He came for that you would be resting in the fact that you are the child of the king. And we can rest in the fact that we have other people going alongside of us. I'd rather have people that I know that's got my back for God than people that are willing to back out on me for anything. You got to make sure we're a part of the right things. And as we, as we all want to belong to something, God's saying, look, you're mine. And I'm not ashamed of you. If you're a child of God, he's not ashamed of your mind, he's saying. In verse 11, it continues. He says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. He's quoting Jeremiah 31, 34 in there, but this is an attack directly on people that are trying to get to heaven by merit. People think I can be good enough I can do all these things. It's not about things. It's not about doing a checklist. It's about following God. And he's saying, look, it don't matter if you've been serving God 20 years or two minutes of salvation, you know me. And that's never been so real in my life. 
I played games at church my whole life. I went to church sometimes more than the preacher did. I was there all the time. Every time the door was open, I was there. I was caught up in mere religion. And as I was in that religious activity, I was doing those things. It was about a checklist, and my heart was wicked, and I didn't care about what God thought. I was just talking, I was making sure I was just keeping those lists, keeping those checks in balance. None of those things mattered to me. But the moment, the moment God came into my heart at that men's conference in Woodstock, Georgia in 2008, the moment I got up from that altar and turned around, let me tell you something, there was a difference in my heart because I knew then that I was a child of the king. I knew at that moment that God loved me. I knew at that moment that God approved of me. I knew at that moment there was nothing that I could do to snatch me out of the hands of God as long as I pursued him and followed him. I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And we've got to rest in that, guys. I mean, there's nothing, a lot of times we get caught up in, well, I've been saved 20 years and now I'm, I'm so much better than this mere little person that just got saved. God sees us all the same. We're all the same in God's eyes. None of that matters. To know the Lord is, is to, I want you to understand, to know the Lord is an awakening. It's when, you, when you, it's, it's when you wake up and realize, hey, this isn't about religion. This is about God. This is about following Jesus. I heard a lot of people talk about it's an it's a aha moment. I mean, do you remember that? Do you remember that time in your life when you had that moment of saying, whoa, this is not about me. This is about God. This is about what he wants for my life. And to me, knowing God, that's what, that's what drives me. That's what should drive us is the desire to know God. I mean, in the moment of salvation, that's just the beginning. But to maintain that walk, to maintain, we got to dive in. We got to be sold out. We got to be just 100% all in to pursuing God. And it's not by just believing. We've got to have faith, take those steps and do what he says do. I can believe that this, 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 Stage will hold me all day long, and I can tell you to hold me up. But until I step up on the stage, it's until I've shown that I believe, I have faith in what I believe in. And the question you got to ask yourself is, do the people around you, do the people around you, the people that you work with, people in your family, do they know that you have faith in what you say you believe in? Do they? Does your life show that? Does your life show that you have a new heart? Are you, are you pursuing holiness? Are you pursuing God with everything in you? Because that's what this new covenant is about. It's not about an old religious system keeping laws. It's about following a God that loves you, that gave his son to die for you. That's what this is about. And people should see that overflowing in your life. I'm tired of mere Christianity. I'm tired of people playing games. I'm tired of people say, just coming to church and leaving out. I want to see people sold out to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see people that love Jesus. I want to see people that are willing to put their differences aside for the kingdom. I want to see that type of faith. I want to see that. But we don't see that until we really get to the understanding of what God has done for us through the new covenant. We rest in all this religious junk Instead of, instead of the security of the Savior that came for us, guys. Verse 12 continues on. And he says, look, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. He says, look, I, some, of your, some of your Bible says iniquities instead of wickedness. And he's quoting, he's quoting Hebrews 10, 16 through 17 there. So, so does God forget? Does he forget? He wouldn't be God if he forgot. What he's saying is, look, the phrase is, I will remember no more, which means he won't hold those things against you anymore. That past life, that person you used to be, he's not holding those things against you anymore. When that new heart comes inside of you, it don't matter how bad you was, it don't matter how many bridges you burnt, it doesn't matter because God says, I remember those no more. The only thing that matters from that point forward is what you're doing for God right now. It's how, how you're pursuing God right now. That's all that matters. I just, maybe, 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 Maybe I've been, maybe I'm just a terrible person. I don't know. Maybe I grew up a terrible person. Because when I think about that, that gives me, that makes me excited. You tell people that and they're like, that's good news, brother. It's like, really? Really? So, so you're not just, you're not, 
I seen you drinking with me. I seen you partying with me. And you're like, yep, good stuff. And I'm over here like, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. You saved me. You did this for me. Man, where's the excitement in that? And I know you look at me crazy because I jump up and down, but I want to tell you, my God is an awesome God. We should be excited about him. We should be excited what he's done for us. Amen? God, I want to tell you, if, if you found yourself, maybe you started walking with Christ. Maybe he, maybe he did give you a new heart. Maybe you got, maybe you got it, and, and life has just beat you down. Those things happen, you know. And maybe you're sitting there saying, God, I know you gave me a new heart. I'm pursuing you, but God, it's just, this, this is tough. I've been beat down by this whole religious thing of people thinking I'm not worthy of you. Maybe you feel that way this morning. Because a lot of times we get our religious finger out, we start poking around in other people's business. And that's not what God's called us to be. He's called us to be people that lovingly bring people to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're like, look, I just don't know. I mean, I feel like I've messed up too much. And when I look back at what God's doing, it's like, it no, no matter how bad I've messed up, it's no matter what you've done, as long as you're walking to him, it's all that he's worried about. Amen. And I got thinking about this week, you know, Payson was jumping around in Sabrina's stomach and I was holding, watching him jump around and feeling her stomach and, and uh, got to thinking about when he starts walking. You know, I thought, man. I know I'm thinking, I'm always thinking of he, I'm, he ain't even here yet, I'm thinking about him walking. But I'm thinking about, thinking about him walking and, and, and it's like, you know what? If Payson gets up and starts walking and if he falls down the first time, I'm gonna say, you know what? You're a failure. You know what? You're horrible. You're never gonna make it. You're never gonna make it. And I turn around and walk, around, walk away. Am I gonna do that? If I do, y'all please do something with me. If he gets up and he starts walking, if he falls down, I'm still gonna be jumping up and down because he just walked. And that's how God is with us. When you get up and you give your life to Christ and you're walking toward him, if you fall down, he's not focusing on your failure. He's focusing just the, the fact that you're walking to him. He's so excited. He loves you so much that just that you're walking to him. So don't walk in condemnation. Don't walk in condemnation. But there is a thing. If we, it, we will make it where I can do anything I want to do and just go that I go to church, then, I, then I'm okay and, and I can do anything I want to do. I'm not trying to downplay holiness here. But I want you to understand what God's grace is. See, I think we, we downplay God's grace so much. We, we try to act like it's all about what we want. And, 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 and if, if we make it our life about us, then we're never going to be satisfied in God. And we've got to realize that he, he is so excited when we're just taking those steps. We're going to fall down. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 3, 3 uh, it just left me, but he wrote that we all fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why he wrote that. But he didn't give us that a license to kill. He didn't give us that to say, well, we're all going to fall short. I mean, I'm gonna, I can go cheat on my wife. That ain't what that means. He didn't say, well, we all fall short. I can go, you know, cheat on my taxes or I can go beat up this person that made me mad. That's not what that means. We all are going to fall short of the glory of God because we cannot keep God's law. But if we have the heart of God inside of us, if we're pursuing God with all our heart, guess what? It makes it easier to obey God's law. There's things that I struggled with five years ago that I don't struggle with right now because I'm pursuing God. And when God reveals something in my heart that's wrong and contrary to his word, it breaks my heart. And I'm like, God, I'm sorry. Help me not do this again. And I'm praying and fasting and I'm seeking God because I want, to, because I want you, your guys' approval to say how great Jeremy is. No, because I love Jesus and I want him to be glorified in my life. And that's how all of us as God's people should be. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I should do those things. It means you should do those things. It means if you're pushing the broom, cleaning this floor, it means you should do those things. If you are a child of the king, it doesn't matter position. It matters your heart. That's what the new covenant is all about, the heart. In the end, in 13, he says, look, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So at the end, what Jesus is saying is, look, he came to make the old covenant renewed. 
He come to enhance that old covenant. He, the law is still God's law. We still should, should listen to everything God's word says, but the gift of the Holy Spirit and Jesus enables us to be able to keep God's law. And it wants us, we have the passion and a desire to want to know God's word. I want to be able to know every single dot and period in this word. I want to know every dash. I want to know every space. I want to know every scripture. Why? Because I want to know God. And that should be our pursuit, our whole joy, our happiness should be in him. And if our joy is not in him, then we're all about a bunch of religious things than Jesus. And that's where we have to realize the best, when it says, look, by calling the covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete is now outdated and will soon disappear. What, what he's saying, look, the best, he's made it new. He's made it new, not replacement. He made it new in quality, in, not in quantity. He didn't, he didn't abolish it and get rid of it. No, he made it new. He's like he restored an old car. He made it new. And I know a lot of this sometimes confuses people. I've heard a lot of people ask questions. Well, what about the old law? Does that mean we don't have to listen to it anymore? No, Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he came to enhance it. That's what he came for. The new covenant makes us partakers in this new nature. And this wonderful life that only Christ can give. As I go back to Jeremiah 17, verse 1, he talks about sin is inscribed on the hearts of people. From birth, sin is in our heart. From birth, it's in our heart. I was watching two babies play on the ground the other day, and they, one of them had a marker and one of them didn't. You know, the first one grabbed the marker from the other one and shoved it in the other one's mouth. Nobody told him that. He just did it. He just did it. You can't, I mean, sin is in us from birth. It's in us. I'm not going to tell you who young as those was, but. And what he's saying is, look, if sin is written on our hearts, the only way for us to be able to obey God is for God to write his, what? God to write his word in our hearts, to override the sin in our hearts. That's the only way that's going to happen. Sin is killed in the heart. And in order for us, a lot of people are not walking victoriously in the Lord because they don't have a new heart. Our churches are full of people who have a heart condition. They know it. They just don't feel it. And they've got to get it in the heart. And that's what, God, guys, that's what God's got to do in your life. God's got to make your life, as you are pursuing God, if he's in your heart, then you should have the passion to live it out so much that when people can see you, they see you standing in the faith you proclaim. That's how we change this world. That's how we change our community. That people see you as Connection Church standing up in faith saying, I believe in Jesus and I'm walking in Jesus and I'm walking in what he wants me to do. And you're walking in the spirit of the almighty God because he put this new heart inside of you. If we stay down here on the ground of religion, they don't see a change. They don't see nothing. They just see the same old thing they've always saw. And people want to see Jesus in you. That's what they want to see. And that's what this new covenant is all about putting Jesus in you. And it's our tendency to go to this checklist. It's our tendency to make it about a bunch of rules. It is. Because the reality is easier to check things off instead of deal with why you do things. Why do you have that contempt in your heart towards somebody? Why do you do that? It's easy to say, well, I've done this, this, and this today. Praise God, I'm a good little Christian boy. I can do what I want to do. It's easy to do that. It's easy, but it's hard when you have to stand back and say, all right, I need to go to so-and-so and apologize and tell him I'm sorry for acting like a jerk because that was not Christ-like. That shows people that you are a child of the king. And we've got too many people that are just playing games that are not really a child of the king. We got, it's time for us to raise up and stand out. It's time for us to show, show God God, I love you, I appreciate you, and I'm going to show everybody that I love you by the way I am boldly standing up, by the way I'm boldly proclaiming, by the way I'm boldly living for you. And you don't get that boldness unless you have a new heart. You don't get that boldness unless you love God. You don't want to get sin out of your life unless you love God. So the question you've got to ask yourself today is, what sin continues to haunt you, and why haven't you got rid of it? Why do we continue to allow sin in our life if we know it doesn't please God? I pray every single week the prayer of David. 
because it just impacted my life. God, Lord, create in me a new heart. God, if there's any wicked way about me, Lord, bring it to my attention. Why? Because I want to make sure that, that if in, in my day-to-day activity, if I've wronged anybody, if I've done anything, if anybody's got anything wrong with me, if, I, if, if anything's happened, I want to make sure I'm right before God. Not that he's condemning me or saying, oh, you messed up today, Jeremy. No, because I want to get back close to God because sin separates us from God. So the more sin we get out of our life, the closer we get to God. And I want my life to be as close to God as I can be because the end result is heaven. And if you don't like being close to God now, you, well, never mind. You ain't gonna make it to heaven. It's all about pursuit, guys. He doesn't see us. I want you to just remember this. He doesn't see us as falling down and failing. He sees you as walking. But the question is, is are you walking to him? So many times we act like we're, we're just the most religious person ever, that we do all these things, and, but we're not walking to him. We're standing, in the same, we're standing in the same spot we've been the last 20 years. We're sitting in the same spot. We're sitting in the same pew we have for the last 10 years, and we've not taken one step to him. We're not walking to him at all. We're still just sitting on the ground. I want God to be celebrating. I want God to be jumping up and down. I want him and Jesus to be giving each other high fives because of how hard I'm running to him. The only way that happens is if you have a new heart. The only way that happens is if you rest in the fact that God sent Jesus to give you the ability to pursue him more passionately. Because without that, we'd still be killing sheep and making sacrifices we wouldn't know the presence of God in our heart because the only person I had, the only person that could get in the presence of God was the, Holy, was the high priest, and that was once a year. We couldn't understand and feel the fellowship of God. So we should rest in the fact of what God has done for us. You should rest in the fact of what God has done for you. It's the pursuit about God that gives us a new heart, guys. So what you've got to ask yourself this morning is do I have a new heart? Do I have a new heart? God's been dealing with me about how, how religious our community is. Not just our community, it stems out from everywhere. And people, make, people make excuses every single week about why they don't follow Christ like they should. You might have made a commitment when you were 10 years old. Are you walking in that commitment now? Is that commitment you said you made when you were 10, does it show in your heart? Does it show in your life? Do you, do you bear fruit of that commitment? Can you look back and see that there is a true change in your life? And there hadn't been a change in your life. Guess what? There has been new, not a new heart. And you can't follow Jesus without a new heart. Bottom line. We're going to do something different today. As the band begins to come up, if God's moving in your life, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. If God's moving in your heart this morning, if you know, say, Jeremy, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there has not been a real change in my life. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that I'm, I've been walking in religion and not in a relationship. If that's you this morning, I want you to come up to the front. When we stand up and start singing, if everybody begins to come and, 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 and flood this altar to pray, I want you to come and, and I'm going to be standing right here at this table. You come grab me by the hand and say, Jeremy, help me take my next step. And we'll pray and we'll seek God together. If there's more than one, we've got people here that are willing to pray with you this, this morning. It's not about religion. It's not about these games. It's not about these checklists. It's about giving God your all and giving him your heart this morning. If you're here this morning, maybe you have, maybe you, you find yourself where you have fallen down. Maybe you found yourself in a place to where, where, you've, where you just stumbled and you've fallen down. God's still celebrating that you were walking to him. Maybe you need to come up and say, God, forgive me of that. God, help me walk worthy of the call that you placed in my life. Maybe you need to come give him some sin in your life that you've been holding on to. Maybe you just need to come up to this altar this morning and say, God, give me the boldness to be pursuing you more. Give me, give me the passion to love you more. Maybe you need to say, God, I want people to see fruit in my life. Maybe you need to pray that God gives you the ability to step out and be faithful what you say you believe. 
Maybe it's time for you to rise up and be the child of God he's called you to be. Maybe it's time for that. There's nothing I can do to make you do this. And it's all on you today. Are you okay with just being okay? Are you okay with just being religious? Are you okay with just playing these games or do you really want to pursue God? Do you really want to know God? Do you really want to have this hunger like, you, like, like you've never had before for God? Do you want to please him more than you want to take your very next breath? Do, do you have that this morning? Maybe you need to ask him for that. So guys, if you stand, if God's moving in your life, and he's saying, Jeremy, I, I, I know that I need him. I don't have that new heart. I don't have that newness in my heart. I don't have that desire to please him like I do, like, you, like you're talking about. I want that. And I challenge you, when the music starts playing, don't sit there. Don't stand there. Come up here. And let's walk this out together. If God's moving in your heart. Don't sit in that pew. Come tell God. You come get on your knees before a holy God and say, God, I love you. I thank you. And I want to be more intent on you. Father God, as we're all here tonight, today, God, just, uh, we just, we just want you, Lord. I, I know I do, God. I, I just pray, Father, that, that Lord, uh, you would make a lot of us in here realize that we need you more than we need anything else. That, God, our pursuit of you is more important than what people think about us. the sacrifice you made was worthy of any kind of sacrifice we have to make. God, I pray that you would just prick our hearts, Lord, for holiness. That we would so desire to please you more than men. God, as we rest in the fact that you came and you made a way, if we would receive you, if we would walk in, in your way, if we would accept you and, and love you, God, then, you, God, you would just give us a new heart and give us the ability to keep God's word. God, I pray for those in here right now this morning that has been walking in the same circle for years. God, I pray today that you would just, you would just break those chains of religiousness in their hearts. God, you would just break those chains that religion has on them. God, that you would just set them free right now. That God, that they, I know right now they're thinking, should I move? Should I not move? God, I pray that you would push them out, Lord. Push them out, God. Allow us not to be the same, Lord, when we leave this place, Father. I beg you, Lord. It's not about us or service or about Connection Church. This is about you. And God, we want to know you more. 